I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to a brand new series of Book Off, the literary podcast with a difference. I'm Joe Haddow and I hope wherever you're listening from, you're staying safe and well. Yes, this is episode one of series seven. How did that happen? And it's great to have all our regular listeners back again. And hello to anyone who's new to this podcast. Just a reminder that all our previous episodes are available to listen to anytime you like. So if you're looking for more audio company and some other book recommendations, why not check those out? On today's episode, I'm joined by two fabulous writers who will be telling us about their latest novels, their writing, and of course, pitching us a book they love and think that we should all read. My first guest has had many jobs before becoming an author, which included being a TV presenter and a professional dog walker, but not combined, I don't think. Her debut novel, The Chalk Man, garnered the attention of her writing idol, Stephen King, and many of us readers too. Here to tell us about her fourth novel, The Burning Girls, it's CJ Tudor. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> Lovely to have you. Uh, and, and such... Uh, an abundance of energy there, Kaz. Amazing. Oh, thank you. Yes, I've, I've finally had my second coffee. So, you know, catch me before the second coffee and it's a, it's a whole different story. And my second guest lives in a large elk forest in rural Sweden. And we all wish we were there right now. Uh, but he still managed to find some Wi-Fi for this podcast, which is amazing. He's the author of the very popular Tuva Moodyson series and has just published his first standalone novel, the last thing to burn. It's me old mucker, Will Dean. Hello. Hello there, and thank you very much for having me. Will, it is my pleasure. It's my pleasure to have you both on the podcast. And, and um, you two sort of know each other quite well, don't you? Because you, you've done quite a few events together. We have, yeah. I mean, not so much in, in the last year as, as much, obviously. But yeah, I mean, we were, we were fellow um, panellists, weren't we, Will, on the Harrogate New Blood panel many mm. moons ago when, when our first books came out which was awesome so we've done a, yeah done a few things since so yeah it's cool that was quite a way to start being on that panel together that was it was a, a way to start it's, it's all been downhill since then really <laughs> <laughs> and i have to say will we've had some snow in the uk recently and i along with most of the population got very excited posted pictures of it some people got out in it and then I thought of you uh, <laughs> over there in rural Sweden how pathetic our little <laughs> snow patch would look compared to what you've got there probably <laughs> are you like like thigh deep in snow well no but it is about minus 10 outside so it's nice and chilly 
Oh, it's it, it, it was pretty. It was, they reckon it was going to go to like minus 10 here at one point, but we didn't have any snow in Sussex. My little girl Betty is so, so disappointed. <laughs> She's like, there's Aww. no other places. She's like, why isn't it snowing? <laughs> my, my little boy Alfie, Kaz, you, you, will, you will enjoy this. He makes little tiny snowmen, like creepy little tiny snowmen who are kind of teddy bear size. <laughs> And he'll move them around. So he'll he'll put them outside your window, outside your door, or outside the car, and you never know where one is going to be. And they are so unnerving. I remember you telling me that. I remember at the time thinking there's there's a there's a creepy book in that, you know. <laughs> I wonder if that's going to be the uh, the plot or part of the plot for Kaz's next novel. There will it could now be a you've now you sort of <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But we're not talking about future novels. We're talking about your two new books, which have just come out. Um, and Kaz, congratulations on on the Burning Girls. You mentioned that you, you didn't get much snow where you are in in Sussex. This book is set in Sussex, and I just wondered where the idea for it came from. Well, I mean, when we we've lived here now, we moved here about two and a half years ago, and when we came to see what is now our home. We drove past this, it's a very rural area, it's a very tiny little village. And as we were driving into the village, there's this small white chapel, sort of up on a small hill to the left as you drive in. And something about it caught my attention straight away because it's sort of not very typical of English villages. It's like small and white and looks like it should be in sort of a dusty Midwestern US town or something. It's very American (laughs) Gothic. And something about it just caught my attention right away and I just thought oh that's that's creepy um and I knew I wanted to write about it and then I started sort of doing a bit of research about the area um and I knew a little bit about it anyway because my partner has has family in the area but there's a big tradition I mean 500 years ago 17 Protestant martyrs were burnt at the stake in the the Lewis the Sussex area Lewis is a town just up the road um by Queen Mary in her what's called the purge of Protestants um and they're still commemorated um, every year. Lewis has these huge, huge bonfires and torch-lit processions and they, they carry 17 flaming torches for the 17 Protestants that were burnt at the stake in Lewis um, in Bloody Mary's Purge of the Protestants. And something about that kind of, I, I thought, was a, a very interesting background. There's something very folk horror about it, very Wicker Man, um, <laughs> yeah, there is one of my yeah. favourite <laughs> films. And, uh, and I sort of started thinking about the chapel and, and this sort of this sort of rather bloody, dark, macabre history the area had. And that was kind of really what sort of kicked off the idea for the Burning Girls. Mm. Now, I come from East Sussex and I remember. Do you? Yeah. And I, I, I've, I've, I mean, you know, I go back very often and love Lewis. Um, and I remember yeah. how big and how sort of important a date in the calendar the Lewis bonfire night was I was sort of thinking about like how much of that there is in Sussex how much of that sort of weird pagany sort of stuff there is there really is it's it's a big thing that the nearly every every small village has a bonfire society and they all have processions on bonfire night um partly as a commemoration of you know the burning of the Sussex martyrs which and it's very heat considering it's sort of commemorating something which was about religious persecution it's all very (laughs) heathen because people will like they'll dress up in historical garb and so on and I remember I went with my husband and my little girl to watch one of the processions in Lewis once with his sister who lived there at the time um and it's it's crazy I mean it's a health and safety nightmare (laughs) nightmare (laughs) all these people walking the street children holding flaming torches it's just it's it's kind, of, it's kind of crazy, but it's. I thought it was a wonderful, a wonderful backdrop because in in my book, instead of sort of the flaming torches, the villagers make these kind of twig dolls called burning girls, 
which they burn on pyres um, every year on the anniversary of the martyr's death. And I just thought it was a great backdrop for sort of creepy folk horror. And obviously there's another mystery entwined with the disappearance of two teenagers in the 1990s and the, the supposed suicide of the, the previous vicar when this new vicar and daughter come to the parish. But it's a lovely, rich background for a, a book and a, a great setting, I thought, for a, a creepy sort of horror novel. Mm, yeah, it is. And Will, I mean, we've we've touched on the old elk forest a couple of times already, but um, is it sort of inevitable that you are inspired by what you see out of your window? My new book, The Last Thing to Burn, is set in the East Midlands, where I'm from, in the Fens, on the edge of... I was brought up on the edge of the Fens, and I've always found that landscape incredibly eerie. That idea of the kind of borderland between the sea and all of that agricultural farmland, and those marshes yeah. and those dikes, those huge skies. And at night time, it gets very, very dark, and it's just a very unnerving place. So I like the idea of... Yeah, I, most of my book ideas start with landscape. And then, so this one started with seeing in my mind's eye at midnight one night, lying in bed, I saw a farm, a, a completely flat featureless farm. And at the centre of this huge farm, there's a tiny tumble down, two up, two down farm cottage. And I saw a woman walking around and she, she never went very far. So that was the starting point. So often, yeah, my <laughs> ideas start with landscape. And this is your... As I mentioned, your first standalone novel, so it's not a, a Tuva book. How how was it sort of not not spending any time with her for this for this novel? <laughs> it was good. I mean, I wrote this I wrote the first draft back in 2017, had the idea in 2016 before Dark Mind right, right. Tuva One was even out. So it's been ticking along in the background as my secret project. And I've loved it because you know, I get to kind of flex my writer muscles. You know, I love writing Tuva and the familiarity and the comfort and the humour and the warmth of those books, along with the darkness. But then writing standalones, it's very liberating, very freeing. And I never really know what will happen at the end of the book. And I don't know if the main character is even going to survive the novel. For me, that's just very <laughs> exciting. You know, I get a buzz writing the standalones. It's like being in a, you know, successful band and then going off and doing your own solo album, isn't it? I don't know yeah. about that. <laughs> for me it's more it's more like and I think it helps that I'm so far away from the real world and from publishing over here I just write the stories that come into my head and hope for the best <laughs> it's not a very yeah. commercial way of writing but I kind of I have a story <laughs> and I don't really care if it gets published next year or in 10 years it's just I kind of just have to go with it if, if a story speaks to me I have mm. to see I have to tell myself that story to kind of get it out of my system Kaz, for you, yes. is there an element of that sort of, oh, I woke up from a dream and I, you know, I had that vision of something and that's going to be a story? Or is it more sort of historically researched and, you know, like once you've driven through that small village in Sussex, it's planted the seed and then you have to go and sort of explore it? No, I mean, I, I am, I'm very lazy on research, actually. I obviously generally do it because I have to. <laughs> um, but no, I'm, I'm kind of like, well, you, you get an idea and you have to write it. I mean, for me, the starting point was the, was the small church up the road. And all the other books have come from like odd sort of starting points, like the chalk man was inspired by a box of chalk someone gave my little daughter for her second birthday. And we drew stick figures on the driveway. And that was the starting point for that. And the taking of Andy Thorne was inspired by, you know, the mines where we used to, where I used to live and walking the dog over the old abandoned mines. And the other people was just uh, literally the start of the other people was pretty much what happened where I was driving behind this kind of weird old car in a traffic jam. 
and just started thinking about what would happen if like this face popped up in the rear window and it was someone being kidnapped and so I think they my ideas tend to come from odd events that happen to me or things I see and then very much it'll spark something off and it's quite often I expect Will gets this as well you get this what if what if this happened what if this following thing happened and then very much you sort of suddenly find you have to run and write that idea but I found it really interesting what Will was saying about sort of um that idea of sort of almost having a side project it's a bit like sometimes but I'm lucky that things I love to write are sort of the books that I publish and I don't sort of try and follow a trend or write something I don't think you, I don't think you can write something you think would be publishable because I don't think it works like that but the idea of sort of I quite like writing short stories as well short stories for me sometimes can also be a way to kind of let off steam and again write something perhaps a bit weirder or a bit more sort of sort of off the mark that maybe you know you don't have to sort of think you know I, I sort of hope people like reading this when it's published you could just kind of really let loose so I think there is sort of a degree of you've got to exercise different parts of your sort of your writing muscle if that makes sense <laughs> I'm just very excited to hear Kaz that you're writing short stories I would I would queue up for an anthology stories. of your short stories yeah oh bless you Will thank you no, that, but it's, it's that thing I think it's almost like sort of having something just doing something different I think it's it's always you know I love writing the books that I write and I, I feel very fortunate that sort of people read them because they are slightly genre they are slightly horror they're not sort of traditional psychological thrillers that you know some of those books that get published but it's yeah, it's nice just you to do different things always I think it keeps it interesting and exciting so you know I think I thought it's wonderful that Will had a standalone I think it's you know it's it's important to do different things and, and keep it exciting and interesting yeah very much so you've already sort of mentioned uh, the Reverend but just tell us a little more and give us a tease about this book Kaz Reverend Jack Brooks and his daughter Flo and just tell us about this close-knit community they find themselves in Yes, well, I mean, Reverend Jack Brooks and daughter Flo, they moved from a big city, they moved from Nottingham, under, under somewhat of a shadow, there's been a tragedy at the previous church, and so they find themselves relocated to this small Sussex village of Chapelcroft, uh, which has this dark, macabre history um, of these Protestants being burnt at the stake. And then in, in more recent history, two teenage girls disappeared 30 years ago and have never been found. And two months ago, the, the vicar committed suicide, which is why Jack and, and Flo find themselves there. Um, so there's it, it, it's quite a you know it's got a lot of dark history this village yeah. um, and they're, they're sort of moving they're hoping it's going to be a nice peaceful quiet fresh start but um, pretty soon Jack receives this old exorcism kit has been left uh, in the church uh, with a rather sinister biblical quote about revealing secrets that are hidden and then daughter Flo starts seeing these apparitions of burning girls um, in the chapel and they sort of find themselves drawn into this mystery of what happened all those years ago and, and they find that sort of this this mystery, the, the sort of the history of the burning martyrs and the mystery of these disappearing girls is somehow entwined. Um, and there's there's very there's quite a few strange oddball characters in this village, um, some of whom aren't <laughs> too pleased to sort of have this new vicar there, who seems to be sort of ruffling a few feathers and stirring stirring up some history and secrets that they'd rather keep hidden. Yeah, well, that's, well that always happens when a new vicar comes to town. Absolutely, <laughs> those vicars, you know, you've got to watch those vicars. <laughs> Well, we got so used to the old ways. Do you know what I mean? We don't want any of this newfangled stuff coming in. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and Will, you said you had this vision of, um, you know, a, a farm, a two up, two down, and a, and a woman walking around. And at the beginning of the book, we're introduced to Jane, not her real name. Um, can you tell us a little bit about her and, and the situation that she's in in your book? Absolutely, yeah. So when I had that I, that vision in my mind's eye, I knew she couldn't leave. She wanted to get away from this farm cottage, from this existence, but she couldn't for some reason. There were no physical boundaries. You know, there's no mountains or walls or fences in that part of the fence. 
It was just the distance from help and from safety that was stopping her getting out of that life. Uh, the book's been likened to Misery by Stephen King and Room by Emma Donoghue. And I think that's a good way to kind of frame it. It's just a very tense. I was very tense writing it, actually. For the first time, I really had a knot in my stomach the whole time writing the first draft, which was weird. I don't normally have a, a knot in my stomach every single scene, but I did here because, like you said, the main character, Jane, which is not her real name, uh, she's living on this farm. She's come into this life uh, at the beginning of the book. You want and very quickly that she's trying to get away. She's controlled in every aspect of her life. So this book only really has two main characters, the woman and the man, the farmer who's keeping her captive. And he's controlling everything. He's filming her. They set up cameras in every room in this little cottage. He dictates what they eat and how it's cooked. So he insists on the food being cooked the same way as his mother used to do it, his late mother, who's also called Jane, just to make it even more unsettling. When she arrived on the farm, she had 17 possessions. She's from Vietnam originally. She has 17 possessions. The beginning of the book, she has four left. Every time she does something that he does not like, he asks her to choose one of her remaining possessions. And then that night, he will burn it on their Rayburn stove where she cooks all of his meals. So she's, he's controlling every aspect of, of her life. And she is surrounded by his land, his things, his farm. And like when she looks out of the window, because the, the Fenland is so incredibly flat, she can see for miles and miles and miles. She can see six or seven different villages and different church spires, which are supposed to be help and sanctuary. But she can never reach them. And everything she can see is his land and, and the, the, the crops that he has sown and harvested. So she's stuck in that situation. I just find that idea horrific. The fact that you can be controlled in every day of your life. Yeah, it is. And I read both of your books in January when it was hardly light at all. And how do you think I felt? <laughs> <laughs> We're just trying to break you down bit by bit, shred your nerves. I know, you are, and it's working. <laughs> um, but they're both brilliant reads, I have to say. And, Thank um, you. I, yeah, I wish you the best of luck with them because, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're well worth putting on your shelves, ladies and gents. Um and you can order them now. They are they are both available. Before we do the book off, which is where you're each going to tell us about a book that you absolutely love and you think that we should all read, um, I'd like to ask my guests what they've been reading recently and if there's anything that's sort of taken their fancy. It's also a question I hate because when anyone asks me, my mind goes blank and I can't think of anything uh, and even though I've just read The Burning Girls and The Last Thing to Burn, I couldn't mention them. I just they'd, they'd just be gone and evaporated. Um, but it's I'm not asking myself. I'm asking you. So there. Uh, is there anything uh, you've been reading recently, Kaz, that you want to tell us about? Oh, crumbs. So what I, I often I think the problem I often find is that I talk about what I've been reading and it's something that isn't out for a while because it, it tends to be a proof because I'm lucky. Enough well, that's to OK. That's OK. Um, so what have I read recently? I read recently um, a mix of things, actually. I'm just, my reading's been a bit erratic and I'm, I'm kind of getting back into it a bit more. So I read mm. um, Laura Shepherd Robinson's uh, second historical crime novel, Daughters of Night, which I absolutely loved. And I say, I, I, I always sort of sell it to people by saying, Do you know, what? I don't really read a lot of historical fiction, but I love Laura's books because they drag you in, you, you, they pull you into this world. And it's wonderfully realised, but it's also a cracking good mystery and crime novel as well. So I really enjoyed, really enjoyed that again. I um, thought it was a great book. And I read a book called House 
by an author I was unfamiliar with called PJ Vernon. It's a US author. I think it'll probably come out in America first. And the editor, when I was sent the proof, uh, pitched it to me as Gone Girl with Gaze and Grinder. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it, it, it's it, it but it's absolutely brilliant it, 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 it it's it's such a fast-paced read and it, it, it's, it's such a good description it's 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 wonderfully twisty and, and very fast-paced um and and it's just a cracking book and i i think it's going to do really really well when it comes out um she says it's a one to watch um and i'm reading at the moment <laughs> i am reading cl taylor's and you know, i want to say the retreat but that's the that's the other book because she's so prolific she's always got like two books coming out at once yeah i know there's always another one isn't i there? know her last holiday which i'm thoroughly enjoying because um cl Callie absolutely never disappoints all her books are great so um yeah that's what i'm reading at the moment fantastic she's just so so prolific and so consistently been writing she's sort of one of my writing idols in the fact that she's just <laughs> constantly you know produces great books and it's just so prolific it's it's, it's sickening yeah. almost <laughs> i know Ugh. give it a rest Callie. <laughs> um and will what about you what have you been reading out there in the wilds well first of all i've got a second uh laura and Callie's writing you know they're such wonderful storytellers yeah. and i've got both of their books on my tbr pile and i'm very excited to start them but the thing that i'm reading right now is I think it's called, it's also a proof, so I'm not 100% sure of the title, but I think it's called I Know What I Saw by Imran Mahmoud. And oh, I read that recently. I, yeah, it's brilliant. Sorry. <laughs> Isn't it good? It's fantastic. I'm like halfway two thirds through and it's just wonderful. The The way he writes immersive London is brilliant. Like, And I can't travel, obviously, right now. I'm stuck in Sweden and I really miss London. So it's wonderful to travel around bits of London through his book. And I don't know, his first book was amazing. This book's amazing. He's yeah. such a gifted writer. I love it. Absolutely love it. Mm. And then the, the other well, thing... his that... first book was You Don't Know Me, wasn't it? Yes, yes. It blew me away, that book, honestly. It's, it's such a, it was such a different way to sort of tell a story. And, and I think with... Um, so I know what I saw, isn't it? I um, What I loved about it, because it's got such a different... The protagonist is, is someone who is, is homeless. We, we gradually learn how they become sort of homeless and living on the streets. But it was just, again, very interesting to have a different type of protagonist, you know, rather than... I don't know, a wife or a sister or a daughter who saw something or, I don't know, you know, it was the husband or whatever. It was just really nice to have a, a completely different setting and a different protagonist. But it's, yeah, it was totally really agree. Story. And it felt very, it feels very authentic, his protagonist. And, and I love those stories where someone's living their life and then their whole life gets turned upside down from one particular event or thing. Like, you know, I think Bonfire of the Vanities was the first time I experienced that when I was in my teenage years. And it just blows your mind because it's, it's so relatable. We all know that everything can be derailed at any moment. You're yes. not in control, yeah. even though you think you are. The other thing I've just finished reading is Killing Kind by Jane Casey. Jane is famous for her Maeve Carrigan, Carrigan series, which is superb. It's absolutely wonderful. But this is her, I think it's her first standalone. And it's also set in London. <laughs> and for some reason, I'm getting a lot of comfort from books set in the UK right now because <laughs> I haven't seen my family for so long. And this is brilliant. It kind of delves deep into legal London and that whole world of courts and barristers and so on. But it's it's about obsession and secrets. And it's just a brilliant book. I flew through that novel. And then the last book that I've just read over Christmas that I found a great amount of comfort in was Bill Bryson's The Body nonfiction. Mm, yeah, I'm such a fan of Bill Bryson. I've been reading his books since I was kind of a teenager as well. I think I had one of his early books on tape in a Walkman. I was a very early audio book <laughs> <laughs> adoptee. And I, I, I love the way that guy writes. So they're my three. Oh, wow. What a great selection. 
but from both of you there um and yes jane jane casing just brilliant isn't she and um that is coming out that one you mentioned the new standalone in a couple of months i think thank you for those i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. But now it's time for the book off so this is where each of you gets three minutes to tell us about a novel uh, well not just a novel any book any book that you absolutely love and you think we should all read it's three minutes uninterrupted if you want them you don't have to use all your three minutes but when the three minute mark is up you will either be rung out by the school bell or (laughs) oh dear by the bicycle horn yes oh dear indeed kaz oh no so you get to decide, Kaz, if you go first or second. What would you like to do? Oh, crumbs. Um, I, I don't mind. I'll, 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 shall I go first? I don't, I, I, yeah. Go first, get it over with. Let's go get, first, it, get over it over with. with. Sorry, Will. I'm gonna... <laughs> <laughs> Which means, Will, you get to decide the weapon of choice here for your three minutes. Would you like the bell or the horn? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for the bell. Okay. Oh, thank you. It was so nice. <laughs> you get the bicycle horn now, then, Kaz. That's that's the one. Now, before I start the timer, just tell us the book that you're putting forward. I am putting forward a book that um, I love and read loads and loads of times. It's a book called Spares by Michael Marshall Smith. Ah, uh, yes, from back back in ninety six. It's I think. quite old, actually. It? Yeah, it's about nineteen ninety six. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm putting three minutes on the clock, and you don't have to use them all, but if you do. At three minutes, I'm going to be honking you out. So it's over to you, Kaz, uninterrupted, to tell us about Spares by Michael Marshall Smith. OK. I love Michael Marshall Smith as an author because he loves to mix genres and Spares is is no exception, actually. It's set uh, in, an, in a future, a near future, so it mixes kind of sci-fi, a sort of futuristic landscape, but it's also a kind of a noir detective novel in a way as well. It's a mystery. Um, it features the protagonist, who is Jack Randall, who's kind of a burnt-out, dropped-out kind of ex-cop. We know something terrible has happened um, previously to him, which is where he's ended up where he is. And he's ended up as a caretaker of something called a spares farm. Because in this kind of horrific near future, there are 
farms where people are basically grown as spares. They're clones, essentially, grown as spare parts for the rich, those who can afford it, those who kind of want to carry on living forever. Um, and into this comes Jack and his job is basically just to sort of keep these spares which aren't taught to, you know, they're, they're people but they're not taught to walk or read or talk. They literally are kept as almost like spare parts just to keep them okay and living in case the call comes for a bit of them to be chopped off or removed. It's kind of, it's it, it's one of those horrible visions for the future that's been realised in some other books as well. Um, but it's just a fascinating take on it. Um, but, but Jack kind of starts to resent what he's doing and kind of he sees a chance of redemption. He starts to kind of like try and help the spares basically, culminating in them having to basically break out of the spares farm um, and go on the run um, with some of these spares as they're called uh, to try and save their lives. And it sort of takes us then through sort of what happened in his past and it becomes kind of a mystery as well. It's a wonderfully realised futuristic landscape with, with a lot of dark humour in this story as well. People live in these kind of like what were once floating multi-storey malls that have somehow crashed to earth and now each massive floor is like its own city and, and you know thousands of people live in these great big towering monoliths um, and Jack sort of returns to one of these to kind of hide the spares but it also you become embroiled in his past story of what happened to his wife and daughter who we find out were murdered which was how he ended up where he did um, and it, it's such it's such a um, it's kind of such an interesting story, but it has so many elements, not just being on the run with the spares, finding out what happened to his wife and daughter. It also sort of introduces amazing, crazy ideas like this place called The Gap, which is sort of this gap between sort of the, the technological internet cyber world and the real world where there's like a war being fought. It's, it's, it's so inventive. It has all these elements that it somehow makes work and brings together. Um, and it's a book I've read time and time again, and I always get something interesting and different out of it. And the, the, it's also funny. Michael Marshall Smith is, is such a great author. He writes wonderfully about emotion, but he's also got this wonderful streak of dark humour in all his books. So into all of this crazy landscape, you know, person on the run. Ah! I thought I'd struggle to feel three minutes and I'd just going on and on. There we go. <laughs> Not at all. There was no struggle there. Brilliant. Um, thank you so much, that was, Kaz. I, I think Kaz should win. I think Kaz should win. That was, I'm told. <laughs> I want to read it. <laughs> I just ramble. <laughs> well, you can take a, a breather now and, and, and sit back while Will does all the work. Um, I'm putting three minutes back on the clock. Before we start the timer, Will, what book are you putting forward? I am going to pitch The Little Stranger by Sarah Waters. Ooh, excellent. This is a um, book from, I think, two, 2009, but set it's sort of a 1940s ghost story, isn't it? All right. I'm going to put three minutes on the clock, Will. It's over to you to tell us about The Little Stranger. Thank you. The Little Stranger is a beautifully told, utterly terrifying ghost story. This is a haunted house novel. And it's set in Hundreds Hall, which is one of these fantastic, big, tumble-down Georgian mansions. Um, and the main character, the, or the point-of-view character, is a country doctor. And as a kid, he saw this house. He was obsessed slash very interested in this huge house. His mum used to work there. And I remember as a kid, you know, when I was living in a two-bedroom ex-council bungalow in the Midlands, there were a lot of these big houses, kind of one in each village, these massive places which made sense to some families 100 years before but they don't anymore in the 40s 
So this is, as well as it being a ghost story and a haunted house story, it's also kind of a family saga. It's an awkward romance. It's a book about obsession and about internal conflicts. Uh, the house itself is incredibly creepy. It's one of those wonderful settings, a bit like the hotel in The Shining by Stephen King or the Shirley Jackson novels, you know, The Haunting of Hill House and we have always lived in the castle. It is a character in itself. The rooms, the creaking floorboards, the wallpaper peeling away, the servants' bells ringing when there's nobody there in the room. It's utterly creepy. It's fantastic. Um, and, and like all good ghost stories, it's not really about a ghost. Like there is definitely a presence in the house. There's, there's the woman of the house, her aged mother, the brother who's suffering from PTSD from the war, and the housemaid, but there is also this spirit, this entity that nobody can quite put their finger on what it is. And the point of view character, this doctor, he's a skeptic, which is perfect. It's absolutely brilliant because as a reader, you're also skeptical in any ghost story at the beginning. And then the most weird, terrifying things start to happen. One thing I love about Sarah Waters writing, I love everything about her writing. She's a genius. But one thing I love is the fact that these characters are described as average looking, ordinary looking, tired looking which I think is wonderful because you, most writers want to make their characters really immediately distinctive. And she has the confidence and the boldness to take her time with her storytelling and to make these characters very, very ordinary looking. Um, so you, it's very relatable. There's a slow, steady pace. And there are certain scenes. There's a scene with a, with a, sh a shaving scene, which is terrifying. And there's a scene with a dog, which is utterly creepy. I, about five years ago, I went all the way across Sweden in my 22 year old truck to sell it to buy a 15 year old truck and it was a nine hour drive and I listened to the little stranger on audiobook on my phone and it was one of the most terrifying things it was mostly dark it was in the winter and I managed to creep myself out completely the whole way through it's an absolute masterpiece oh. Well, you finished on it's an absolute masterpiece, which I think is a very strong end to the pitch. <laughs> oh, well done to both of you. Well done, Will. Have a breather now. Uh, two fabulous pitches for our first book off of series seven. Very different. Very much. I, I want to yes. know if there, if there is there a prize that one of us wins. Is there a cash prize? Yes, pride. Oh, pride. Okay. <laughs> you walk away with your dignity intact. <laughs> Just. <laughs> What I loved about um, your pitch, Kaz, was that it's, you know, there's so much to talk about in this book. I don't know oh, it. Nice. I, haven't, I haven't read it. And you're saying things like, you know, there's not only is the actual premise of the spares and the farm already a great, yeah, it is. A great setting is, you know, for the you book. Remember it was 96 as well. So it was kind of, it, it, you know, looking forward in many ways to sort of, forward, you know, what yeah. we, we could be capable of, perhaps even now. Yeah, it's kind of a crazy book, but it 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 all kind of works. It, it, it he manages to make all these these elements, this kind of like technological war happening, and this futuristic landscape, and this mis murder mystery, and like the, the spares themselves all work together. It's it's such a cracking book and so inventive, and I think what I admire about it so much. Yeah, amazing to bring all those elements in and make it sort of darkly funny as well. Yes, <laughs> I mean it sounds madly brilliant and i desperately want to read it so you've definitely you've definitely done a good job of Excellent. pitching it there <laughs> and will i i've read the little stranger so i do know this book and i agree with you that sarah waters is a genius writer um what i what i suppose i hadn't necessarily thought about before your pitch is 
is that like you said like all good ghost stories it's not it's not like the ghost is front and center actually and i suppose that's right it's a sort of eerie feeling throughout the whole text isn't it totally um and she, she does that so so well and in a in a sense like the whole family is kind of a ghost because they belong in a different era like they don't fit anymore post-war they don't fit in society and i love the fact that they're la they're having to sell off their land chunk by chunk and the local housing estates are just getting closer and closer and closer to the house it's almost as if like modernity is just getting closer and closer to this family and as that happens the whole family are falling apart like and maybe that's because there's a spirit of a dead girl in the house or maybe it's just that they just can't handle this um, speed of change yeah and actually you you referenced the shining and and the haunting of hill house and you know it is it's i think it's quite hard to make a character of a place of a building and make it creepy but she really does manage to, to do that, doesn't she? She does. And I can tell, you know, I've seen some interviews with her. And she often says that she's just fascinated by old buildings. And I can really see that. Like the doctor of the book is obsessed with his house. It's like an unhealthy obsession. And at some point yeah. in the story, it's almost like he's trying to get into the house. He's trying to make his mark or claim ownership in some small way of the house. And that leads to this really awkward relationship with Caroline in the book where they they kind of almost get together, but they don't. And I think that's beautifully done as well. It's very subtle and it's very, very awkward in a British way, you know. I, I'm quite fascinated with old, creepy, abandoned houses and stuff. And, and I think Will's right. There is this quite often, you you know, you, you'll have quite like a modern housing estate. Or most of us, I think, can remember growing up somewhere. But there's always just one house that's kind of old and kind of neglected and kind of creepy. You know, wherever you sort of live. And I, there's something fascinating about that to me. There's, you know, what's going on behind sort of those, the blistered paintwork and everything. There is a fascination with old, I think, sort of abandoned or kind of creepy derelict buildings. Totally. I think us, us writers are all very, very childish. You know, we're very curious, like we were I as kids. Still. <laughs> yeah. We want to go in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I loved, loved hearing those two pictures, guys. Well done. And um, oh, that's... Oh, tough one to call, really, because they, they're <laughs> both fabulous. Um, I, but I've got to pick one because that's the game. Oh. And do you know? Oh, I know, I know. I don't want to make any enemies here. We've got to do a, we've got to do an event together. <laughs> I don't want yeah. to know. You know, <laughs> I don't want one of you not to talk to me. Um, God, oh, it's really tough. I, because I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick. Gonna pick the book that perhaps people may not know, and that is Spares by Michael Marshall Smith. Congratulations. Yay! Definitely more people should read it. <laughs> now, I might be wrong about that. Maybe it's just because I don't know it, but I I think possibly The Little Stranger is, 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 is well known. But I can say, having read that one, that people should definitely check it out if they haven't. But Spares... Yeah, well, do you know, uh, I haven't read it, and I'm going to now because of Will's Oh, watch. well, there you go. It's been on my list for a while, and now I'm totally convinced, so I'm going to read it. So there we go. <laughs> Basically, you, we've all sold the books to each other, so that's good. Yeah, there yes. you go. <laughs> <laughs> the Last Thing to Burn by Will Dean is out now. It's published by Hodder. And The Burning Girls by CJ Tudor is also out now. It's published by Michael Joseph. Kaz, Will, it's been an absolute pleasure spending this time with you. Thank you so much for joining us on Book Off. Thank you. It's been brilliant. Thank you.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 